Good morning. Good morning. It's fun good. to stay up late. Welcome good. to the Golden Talkies. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning, Duncan. Uh, ironically, this will probably be going up at night. Or it could be going up tomorrow morning, mm -hmm. so you never know. But we're recording it in the morning. We're so recording this on Sunday like morning. This is the earliest recording session we've ever had. It's, uh, it's easy like a Sunday morning. Nine 9.39. I feel like I'm on the radio, mm -hmm. the morning radio. I always wondered how they did that. The radio DJs that, that got up every single morning early and went into work. I guess you just you, your sleep schedule just yeah your like sleep that. cycle will adjust and um, and you'll just accept that you have no social life. Yeah, well that's what I was always uh, thinking. But that. you know what, you have the listeners, right? And that's that's how you stave off the loneliness. True. But, but then one night you're sort of forced to confront the realization that they don't really love you. They don't really know the real you. No one in your life loves you. And then you, never, you, you cry never yourself to sleep. Exactly. Ready to wake up at 4am the next day so you can give the traffic report. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. what is this, Jamie? This is a podcast where we talk about films that came out 50 years ago this week. We do. Um, such as, for example, The Anderson Tapes, That's what which we're came out this week. Uh, 50 years ago this very week, and that I definitely looked up the date of release of. The 17th of June, this. 1971. There you go. You know what? If nobody else got me, I know you got me, my friend. Yeah, don't worry. Uh, yeah, so that so that would have been a blah blah blah. That would have been last Thursday, fifty years ago. Correct. Um, Not last so, Thursday. This Thursday, yeah. unless this goes up a day late, which is a distinct possibility. But well, no, I I would always say this Thursday means a Thursday in the future. Personally, um, potentially. Wouldn't you? Potentially. If I, well, I suppose, because it's always from context, you'd know, I suppose, because it was like, let, let's meet this Thursday, obviously you'd immediately know I meant yeah, Thursday the 24th exactly. or whatever. But I think if you're talking about something that has mm. happened, I guess we're in a bit of a unique position where we're talking about the past as if it's the present, and that maybe is yeah. messing up our whole, our whole, uh, well, I don't know, it's too early to come up with a funny word to say fair enough. there. Um, well, um, shall we... Talking about last Thursday, fifty years ago, shall we get into some historical context as yeah. is the do me tradition? To, do you want me to go first and then you, you can do Yeah, that. you go first and so, then uh, for the day specifically on TakeMeBack.to, uh, we had Disneyland welcoming welcoming hundred million visitor. Uh, um, I assume that's Disneyland in California. Maybe? Okay. Because Disney Definitely. it's Disney World. In Florida, Disney, yeah. right? Or is it the early rain? No, there's, the original Disney is definitely the one in California. I'm pretty sure Disney World is in California. Oh, it's in California? But I'm, yeah. So maybe Disney... Maybe Disney. Like, anyway, whichever one it was, it yeah. welcomed its 100 million visitor on this day. Mm -hmm. uh, on this day also, the war on drugs was declared by Nixon. Uh, oh, that'll work out well. I'm sure it will. And And... It's a shame that we're not watching something like uh, Performance or The Panic in Needle Park or any other number of drug films this week. But anyway. You can't well, we always... know that society is very preoccupied with drugs at this time. Yeah, that's true. You can't always have the news tie into the film you're watching directly. And also, maybe, you know, maybe he's doing it because just a few weeks ago The Panic in Needle Park came out and it made him realise uh, that there were drugs yeah. going around. I don't know. 
Dickie Nixon's favourite film. It must have been. Probably. Um, so, I have also... When that dog fell off the boat in it, he cried and cried and cried and thought about checkers. Exactly. And that's when he realised that something had to be done. Exactly. Yeah, he, he realised how many dogs were dying by running off boats. Mm-hmm. The real victims. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so I've got a couple of articles here. Uh, Life had an article about the first ever moon rover. Uh, right. which went up on Apollo 15 which I'm afraid I've forgotten what date that went up but it was presumably in a few months um, so it was the first ever moon rover they described it as a golf cart um, mm. and it would allow the astronauts to travel a lot further than they had before because um, they wouldn't have to walk it had yeah. 40, 40 miles worth of batteries I think and they were only going to use it for 20 miles and they were only going to drive as far as they could walk away in case it broke down, which seems intelligent because I think the last thing you want is to be stranded on the moon. Last time I but isn't it. that also completely undermining the point? Uh, no, because they could still get to that distance a lot faster than they could walking. And they could okay, get to that distance a lot more regularly. It was just that they wouldn't go further than that distance in case it broke down because then obviously if they. Mm. It, it was literally the m- most distance that they could possibly walk on the moon was how far away yeah. it would go. So it wasn't like a okay. come to a walk that they would drive away. It was something like six miles or something, which is obviously not that far human stuff, but I guess on the moon it's, I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's a decent walk. Yeah, the, moon, uh, the moon's kind of like the nether, you know, every every block on the moon yeah. is like eight on Earth, you know? Of course, of or, course. Or I guess it'd yeah. be the other way around. Uh, I also had an article about Eisenhower's daughter, who mm-hmm. uh, was a teacher... And yeah. she'd just become a teacher, and a lot of other teachers were complaining that she'd been given an easy assignment, because apparently as oh. a preemie teacher in the area that she was in, you normally get allocated to a dodgy school in Jacksonville, and instead she got yeah. like, a nice middle-class whatever school. Um, that sounds incredibly plausible. The claims were that she had done all the training necessary to become a teacher at that level, and also it was a lot easier for the Secret Service to protect her, because obviously as the, I guess, ex-president's daughter, right? She, uh, yeah, have a, a, Eisenhower was president. Yeah, if that's what you're asking. Yeah, she would have a target on her head. So, there you go. Um, thirteen what people, Jamie, in France. Sorry, mm-hmm. you were were you about to continue? No, no, I okay. was just doubting. Thirteen but... people in France drowned in a well under a wedding venue. Uh, because oh. the floor collapsed and they all fell in. Well, well, well. What a story. And then <laughs> Life magazine was describing the 14th victim because the mayor had killed himself two weeks after it happened because of all the bad press he was getting for not having the building mm. properly checked. Uh, finally, Jimmy Hoffa was not rerunning his union head because he was, no. he was in jail or something like that. So, that's my historical context for me. Bit more than I normally have. Cool. That's actually, yeah, that's a lot actually of stuff had time. Actually, week. had time to look through the magazines and stuff. Okay, but, I shall now go through this week specifically. Oh, unless do you know what um, hot films, not hot films, what uh, hot music tracks were at top of the pops this week? No, I, I didn't. I don't. I don't. Unless no. I didn't look properly, I didn't see anything that I recognised. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, in that case, <clears throat> on the fourteenth of June, nineteen seventy-one. Uh, nothing particularly interesting happened. The eighth president of the Philippines died at 74, but he wasn't president at the time. Okay. So, you know. So um, it yep. 
nothing interesting particularly happened on the 15th either. But on the 16th, there was a racial disturbance in Jacksonville, Florida. And that's all it says. Nice. Uh, but also, Tupac was born. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, I hope, famous rapper. I hope nothing bad um, happens to him. Happy 50th yeah, birthday, yeah. Tupac. Yeah, wherever you are, my friend, uh, I celebrate it in style. I know you will. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know whatever happened to him, but I guess, you know, he just wanted to step out of the spotlight, you know, be, stay humble. That's the Tupac. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what happened, right? He went and hid someone, <clears throat> faked his own death and went and Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, nothing much happened on the 17th either, actually. Well, that's not 18... true. I told you what happened. Disneyland welcomed 100 million visitors. Oh, and the war on drugs was declared by Nixon. Yeah, that seems like something that they should maybe include in this. But whatever. <laughs> Unless um, that actually happens. Social Democratic. Yeah. On the 18th. Yeah. Uh, Social Democratic and Labour Party and Nationalist members of Parliament refused to attend the state or opening of Stormont, uh, the Northern Ireland Parliament. Right. This is some more troublesy tension. Nice. Because. Um, uh, which party is it that refuses to attend North Island Parliament now? Sinn Féin still refuse to sit seat. I don't know. Or anything else. Okay. Um, there's a divorce of interest. The aviator Howard Hughes divorces his second wife, Jean Peters, after 14 years of marriage. Uh, okay. Other than that, nothing too interesting. On the 19th, uh, the mayor declares a state of emergency in Columbus, Georgia, due to racial disturbance. Again, no specific details given. Right. Good. June 20th, 1971. That's the day. Uh, genuinely, nothing of it just happens. Only f three people are born. And that Only is three day, people so, yeah, are born. That, that sounds like a record. And Yeah, incredible stuff, actually. That's. I mean, that uh, is actually incredible, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Looking at um, TakeMeBack.to, a site which I'm absolutely certain is wrong about some, some of these things, um, it suggests that people in the US this week were listening to It's Too Late by Carole King, and in the UK, Knock Three Times by Dawn. Do you know those the, songs? Um, I listened to Knock Three Times last week, because it's been on the charts for a while right now, and I was wondering if, oh. as with um, the way, way back, it was perhaps football-related. Uh, it's not. It's just about. Uh, it's a nice song about a man in like an upstairs apartment, and he's telling you know his downstairs neighbor that if she wants to come see him, she can knock three times, okay. and that'll be their signal. Right. But I listened to another song by Dom, and that's about how if a woman forgives a man, then she should tie a yellow handkerchief around the tree. So I oh, think that's Dawn a great song. Wrote a lot of songs. What tie yellow? Yeah, wrote a lot of songs. Yeah, exactly. Song, but yeah. I think this is just something that Don does a lot with, you know, having a symbol for love, as it were, that you yeah. sing about. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, um, it, it claims that if you like video games, you're probably playing Star Trek or Galaxy game, and I'm absolutely convinced that that is not true. Well, that's uh, what, that, 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 I've, I've not mentioned the video games since they turned out, because they've not changed any of them. Yeah, but like... Like, okay, Galaxy game about nineteen seventy one, at the student union. Hmm. Well, maybe no. It was released in November nineteen seventy one. So, take me back. Dot to is place is playing a bit fast and loose, and also it wasn't commercially available. Um, right. Well. So, you know, sometimes you just gotta 
be a bit liberal with the truth, Jamie. Well, that's clearly what they're being, because Pong is 1972, right? Uh, is Pong there? Pong Pong won't have been released at this point. Pong, yeah, Pong, Pong... I can't say it for some reason. Pong mm. is 29th of November 1972, and obviously that's the first commercially available uh, game. So, is the Oregon Trail yeah. not, not there in 1971? Uh, Oregon Trail... The Oregon Trail came out on the... This is telling me about the historical Oregon Trail. Uh, <clears throat> 1970 oh December 3rd 1971 the Oregon Trail right so obviously for the video games they obviously just take the year um, yeah which is I guess fair so not, enough because people yeah. at that time it's not like the games are going to be yeah so that's only a month after Pong um, I'm surprised by that given that it's obviously it's quite a bit more sophisticated games aren't they yeah, but like, well, like you know, if you look at Pong, then like you assume, you can easily see that like, oh yeah, this is the first video game. Like it's quite simple and it's based on something that people like. It's based on a pre-existing game. You know what I mean? Is Pong the first video? Whereas game? Oregon, uh, first widely commercially available one. Right. Or, or Wikipedia has it as the first commercially successful video game. So I'm guessing there are exceptions, but it's generally listed as the first video game. Uh, or talked about like, in that way. 1958 was the first ever video game. It was a yeah, well, a lot of those were in universities. Game, similar to Pong. Because um, universities were the only ones who had like, the computers needed. Yeah. Um, well, that'd be cool. But yeah, anyway. Uh, that's not what this podcast is about, so who gives a shit, baby? Yeah, yeah Space War is the, other, is the first one that people talk about a lot, and that's right. 1962. Anyway. Pem. Pem. Ken Ken. The yeah. Anderson Tapes. The film, yeah. Yes, it's a film that came out this week. Oh. It stars Sean Connery. It does. Uh, as Duke Anderson. And my first question to ask to you, Duncan, about the film The Anderson Tapes, is what do you think going, is going on with Sean Connery's accent in this film? Uh, well, he's... I think he's supposed to be English. You th- is that is that what you think? Well, they describe him as a limey, don't they? Which is does that not mean an English person? Yeah, person? I think technically, although I don't know how many Americans, particularly person. at that time, oh, would just have means care, a British would have cared person. about the distinction. So maybe he is supposed to be Scottish. Uh, well, it's weird because he uses his accents sort of skittering around a bit, particularly in the early scenes, and he uses a lot of very American slang. So like he's written like a sort of. New York gangster type. Well, I assume that would but, be because when they wrote it, they hadn't cast him yet, so they were just writing uh, oh. some kind of guy, and then they cast Sean Connery yeah. and added a line about the limey to make it mm-hmm. <laughs> make perfect sense. Regardless, it is quite odd. Yes. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's incredibly distracting throughout the film. Um. So perhaps more, uh, more to the point. Uh, this is one of Sean Connery's first uh, post-James Bond films. Uh, he's trying to re-establish himself as an actor who can do other things yep. at this particular point in life. Uh, so yeah, 1971 was his last James Bond film, was it? Was no, it? that can't be right. Oh no, yeah, Di- Diamonds Are Forever, 1971. Alright, okay. Um, so yeah, he is still technically James Bond at this time, I believe, actually. Right. Um, 
Because Diamonds, Diamonds Are Forever comes out at the end of this year. Yeah, before, in December. So this is the beginning of Sean Connery trying to do that. Because um, obviously he left the Bond franchise after You Only Live Twice and then came back for um, Diamonds Are Forever. But do you, I mean, do you but, think, Jimmy, that this, mm-hmm. that this is really a breakaway from James Bond? Because I was thinking about this. And I was, yeah. I was read, you know, reading the thing that was like it was a breakaway, and I think, obviously, the the role he's playing is very different in terms of what he does. But I feel like the way he acts and stuff is not that different from James Bond, in terms of yeah. womanizing and slapping people and shooting people and climbing up chimneys. And yeah, stuff. I think it's definitely very uh, reminiscent of the role. Because, uh, like as you say, it's a lot of daredevil charm and sort of um, yeah, in a I way, mean, casual I, sociopathy. I guess I, but, um, I understand what people are saying about him not no longer being typecast as James Bond specifically, like a secret agent, blah blah blah. But I really, yeah, I didn't yeah. get the impression that it was like <laughs> completely different. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the main difference is that like the, uh, Duke Anderson is a more complicated character than James Bond, even then, not by too much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess it's not really it's not really a fierce breakaway uh, from type or anything. No, it's just yeah, yeah. But I guess that's how you start because I mean you know credit to Sean Connery he did manage to avoid being typecast. Um, so I guess maybe that's just yeah. sort of how you do start out. I mean the other thing uh, is he was in other films alongside James Bond and before. Before maybe not oh, yeah? before James Bond, but long, yeah, like the the I've not seen it, but the hill is directed by the same person who directed this, and he's in that in nineteen sixty five or something. So, oh. although I, to be honest, I don't know what his character is in that because it's a it's like a prison, a World War Two prison escape film. So maybe he is just James Bond in a, a hat, yeah, Barry. I don't know, um, but yeah, I feel like it, I'm not sure that this to me, screams, like, Breakaway from James Bond, considering he's already done other films and it's not really that different. Um, yeah, yeah. alright. Well, that's, that robs it of some of the excitement, doesn't it? It does. Uh, uh, yeah, who else in this film? Who else? Chris, uh, yeah, Christopher uh, Walken. Yeah, I did not realise that until I looked at the facts. Really? really I, I, to be fair, yeah. I didn't immediately go, that's him, but I did recognise him and, and slowly was like, oh, that's him. It's a, This was... No. Apparently, this was his first major picture. It was his third film, but yeah. I think this was his first one that you know was of any scale and audience numbers. Yeah. So. Um, but um, yeah, I was genuinely really shocked because it's just this is a very obviously a very young Christopher Walken. He's got blonde hair. Now that I can look, look at pictures of him in the film, like oh yeah, obviously that's Christopher Walken. But yeah. Just because it wasn't in my mind at all, I didn't realize. Um, and he hasn't got the accent. Uh, which is the, the the main marker? Of what what accent does he me. normally have? I'm trying to. Well, you know, he talks visualize it. very slowly. Uh, I'm 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 I'm. Fuck! What does Christopher Walken talk like? It's left my head now. Uh, help! Help me, Duncan. I don't well, know. I, I just told you that I can't remember, so I don't know why you think I'd be any help. Cool. I don't well, remember. Wait, 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 w
Uh, and it has in it Martin Balsam or Balsam, I can't, don't know how it's said, uh, who's been in two other films that we've watched. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah. Do you know which ones? Uh, no clue. I should say um, he was. He was the reason I'm bringing it up is that he was also in Twelve Angry Men, um, so that's the okay. connection to the director. Um, oh, but fuck, what other two films to be bought? Someone in t- someone in Too Late the Hero was also in t- t- Twelve Angry Men, weren't they? Pardon? Wasn't someone in Too Late the Hero also in Twelve Angry, uh, Angry yeah, Men? Yeah, yeah. Um, fuck, what's his name? The 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 main general guy, uh, okay. uh, really famous actor whose name I'm about to find out. Um, Henry Henry Fonda is the main guy in touring. Mm. Oh, yeah, obviously. So Mar- Martin Balsam, he's the in this one he's the very aggressively gay one, which I'm sure we'll, we'll come on to discussing more later. And um, what other two films was he in, Jamie, that we've watched? I don't know. Uh, Getting straight and performance. I'll give you a hint. They're both set at the same time period as each other. Uh, they both westerns. Nope. Uh, in, okay. In that case, they're both set in modern day New York. Nope. Uh, both set in the Second World War. Yeah. Okay, so in that case, is it Tora, 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 and Too Late the Hero? No. Or or Tora, 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 and Patton. No. <sighs> Tora, Tora, Tora is right. I don't, Okay, so it's not Patton, it's not... Uh, what are the fucking World War Two films? Oh, MASH! No. No, MASH is Korean War. No, um, not MASH. Fucking... You're going to have to get this. Oh, uh, Catch-22. Catch yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah! There you go. So he plays one of the one of the officers in Catch-22, and he plays, I believe, a pilot or a bomber in Tora Tora Tora. Um, both of them are quite small roles. Um, but... Very different to his role in this, and very different to his role in Twelve Angry Men. So, there you mm. go. Have you listened to Christopher Walken? Uh, I have. And? He likes. He, he talks like these. I can't do it. Fuck it. Good. I think that yeah. was. So that was. Um, it was worth me talking and making you guess. I. I. Well, the thing is, Duncan, and this is a credit to you. I actually found your monologue very interesting, so I was listening to that as well. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, he talks like this. Talks like um, trying to get a taxi car. That's Italian American. Hey, um, hey, Tony. Fuck it, you know what, Christopher? I'm trying to get a taxi. Okay, dear I'll, listener, I'll listen to taxi. There's probably two of you, so we can talk to each other personally. I'll listen to Christopher. Go Walken. watch a YouTube video of Christopher Walken, and then you do the accent to yourself. And then when I say he doesn't have the accent, you know what I mean because we understand each other like this. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So, so Jamie, what you're okay. going to do now is you're going to start your plot summary, and I'm going to listen to Chris. Yeah, Williams. I think that's probably for the best. Okay, Duke Anderson um, is a safe tracker, we could say, who is in prison. He's been in prison for ten years, and he's not having he's not been having a very merry time time of it, because uh, you know prison, famously, not that nice. Uh, so we open on a slightly weird scene where he's in some sort of um, fe- psychological therapy with a group of other prisoners, but they're all making fun of him for some things he said years ago on tape about how cracking a safe is like seducing a woman. Uh, which seems like a very questionable method of uh, therapy to me, but, you know, I'm not a therapist. Right, so, so I've just... Uh, I've maybe just, one is just wrong. to interrupt you, I've just listened to Christopher Walken reading out Three Little Pigs. Uh, mm-hmm. It says, Once upon a time there were three little pigs. 
Is that good? No, that's not. Yeah, that's better that... than me. That's. Once upon a time, there were three little pigs, and they cool. They each decided to build themselves a house. <laughs> Is that good? He doesn't talk like that. No, listener. No, not quite. in this film. He talks normal. He, yeah. Okay. Let's. Yeah. Right. Back to the plot right. summary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk now that both of us are here for the plot summary. Yeah. Uh, feel free to to jibe in whenever you want. Um, so we hear what I think is going to be uh, what is a somewhat defining feature of Anderson's character in this thing, where he justifies his actions as a safe cracker to the therapist and suggests that um, you know, isn't aren't we all thieves in a way? Isn't marriage uh, basically stealing someone's life? And you know, if a rich man steals from a bank uh, in like a merger, then we all celebrate him as a hero. But if I steal from the bank, then I'm a bloody criminal. Uh, so we get a, we get the nice uh, anarchist and misogynist combo here. Yeah. Uh, in Duke Anderson. Um, he so, also he does yeah, think, he, yeah he does the classic he he does this later to be fair but he also does the classic uh, it's a victimless crime because uh, the people yeah. have their stuff insured and if they don't have it insured then they were just waiting to be robbed. And if they do have it insured, yeah. it's going to cost the insurance company, but it will give them publicity, so they'll get more people, and then and then we get richer mm. as well, so everyone's well off. Um, yeah, I was yeah. going to talk about that at the time, but I think that that is certainly the more interesting of the two monologues, whereas this one is clearly nonsense. Yes, yeah, um, I think so. With I the think possible so. exception of uh, the. I mean, I think they're both nonsense comment. because I think it's pretty well known that. No. That, that well, I, I knew for a fact that you'd think that second one is nonsense, whereas I find that second one a bit more interesting. But uh, oh no, I think we'll it's interesting. Till... But I just think it's I think it's the the easy way to talk about mm. it without really looking yeah. at it. But, yeah. Anyway, after this, Duke is released from prison, and we get what I think is one of the more interesting parts of this film, which is that it is a film from the seventies that is really, really concerned with technology. So we get a lot of shots of uh, security cameras watching Duke Anderson, a lot of big sort of like blah, 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 sound effects, uh, we see yeah. bugs and stuff. Um, and this is throughout the film, I think pretty much, I, I learned that um, in the original novel it's told from the perspective of like reports of people who are listening in on Anderson, and right, hence okay. the Anderson tapes. Yeah. Uh, but obviously you can't do that in a film, so we just sort of see it happening. Yeah, because throughout um, the film there's a lot of different uh, agencies that are... Yeah, all different government agencies. So yeah. the, the drug department, the IRS, um, all all types. They're not working in tandem, which I thought was a fun detail. Yeah, it was cool. They're all they're all watching him, and they're also watching. Some of them are watching the people that he's involved becomes involved with all the film. Yeah, uh, mm. and perhaps interestingly, even though cumulatively they definitely have enough information to both prevent the robbery and convict him, uh, they don't do that because obviously they're working separately, and now they know what the other ones. Know. Yeah. Um, uh, but exactly. but yes, but yeah. I think what's quite interesting about this film is that it's very focused on technology. But because it's the seventies, it's all massive and super analog. <laughs> so like, yeah, it's, it's like a scene where like a, a bug's got like a secret camera, but like he's got a ho hoist it on his shoulder because obviously it's massive and weighs about twenty pounds. Yeah. Um, all of the like bugs and listening devices have to have a wired connection to whatever they're being received. So they aren't even hid so they aren't hidden all that well. Um, and yeah, all of the computers which are presented as being very scary are obviously all those like tape computers. Um, 
So it's quite interesting in that way. It is, um, yeah. Um, so according to Wikipedia, which is, as always, the most reliable of sources, uh, this was the first yeah. major film to focus on the pervasiveness of electronic surveillance. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a there's an interesting little tidbit of definitely yeah. accurate information from Wikipedia. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that isn't. I'm sure there will have been like some obscure film yeah. uh, before then that focused on it, but it's definitely the first one we've seen. Oh, and, definitely. You know, we're yeah. in um, And it's. I mean, it's uh, interesting it's also, to look at from today's perspective, where yeah, there's obviously a lot well, more. Well, the thing is, I think. I think you probably could make this film today if you updated the technology. Like I think the concerns it displays, of particularly in the UK, become fairly uh, prescient. Yeah. Although you could also do it in the US if you're of a more paranoid bent. But um, yeah, I think it's. Um, oh shit! I had something really good to say and then I just forgotten it. Um, I think. Oh, yeah, oh, it's also I, the first I know, time. I know what I was going to say. So, I think there's there's a thing today where. It would be. I think actually it'd be really hard to make like a heist film or a crime film today because every thing that you could think of as a writer to get around ways that people could be found are sort of technology is overtaking criminals. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I think it's really yeah. interesting that this film from nineteen because it you know if you watch a heist film I mean I don't know if I even watched a heist film earlier than this but you know you would imagine that or, or like a western if if they're doing a robbery in a western obviously if you if you go in without being seen and get away you know that you're you're basically fine because you can't do anything yeah uh, whereas I think this this sort of time period is probably getting towards the technology to catch people sort of catching up to yeah. ways around it you know like now nowadays there's biometrics and all sorts of stuff that you would have to get around that i think as a as a film writer you'd probably really struggle to yeah to well i suppose as a film writer there's sort of like duct tape patch all solution to that is to have a hacker character and then exactly. you can like take care of exactly. everything i mean yeah and then to like there's... suggest that your heist members like once they get away from the scene of the crime they have methods that allow them to disappear forever, even if obviously exactly. It's not but I feel like really that's how it works. yeah, that's what happens at the end of heist films that come out now is that the people disappear mm. forever or disappear for five years because they're you know or, or you have to get surgery to change your face or whatever. Whereas I feel like this is probably this is probably one of the first films where like those yeah. those those technologies are starting to be looked at as like a thing. So that's interesting. Um, yeah. I think. Well, yeah, I think the message of the film, or one of the messages of the film, is that Anderson's been away for ten years, and in that time, technology has advanced so much that yeah. he's not actually really all that capable of doing his job anymore. Yeah, he thinks that um, it's going to be easy walking the park. Yeah, he does, he he underestimates how much the world's changed. Yeah, and you know, if it was say a different ten year span from like seventy one to eighty one, then that would have been an even more extreme change. Um, yeah, true. So yeah, that's uh, that's the twentieth century for you, baby. Uh, stuff happens fast. Indeed. But um, I was going to say this is the first time I can recall that computery font being used for the credits of a film, uh, like the green and yellow neon. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Seems. I don't. Yeah, which is a weird uh, contrast with I don't the think other we've stuff seen that before. That we've seen. But yeah, I don't know. There's something like I said. There's a very modern. The very modern anxieties that are being uh, presented in the film, which thinks to its credit. Yeah, I think uh, so. 
because this is, as you say, this is like this is worries about a surveillance state at the first time when this is really becoming possible. Um, but anyway, getting into the actual plot and things that happen. Uh, Anderson is released from jail with his best buddies, Christopher Walken and Pops, who is a man who was arrested for punching a cop sometime in the 20s, I think, uh, and has been in prison ever since. 30s. No, because they mentioned that he missed the Great Depression. Um, Right, okay. Yeah, like, Christopher Walken notices that Pops has missed the Great Depression, World War II, and Korea, uh, and has otherwise been a very lucky man. Anyway, um... So, Duke Anderson goes to his old girlfriend's apartment, uh, and she's happy to see him. She's living the high life, uh, but she's still fond of him. And they have a very fun and awkward sex scene, where it's very clear that neither Connery nor this woman were comfortable being filmed from the waist down, but that the cameramen weren't really able to come up with an inventive solution to that. So, it's a good neck-up sex scene. Indeed. And also, Uh, at the same time, you have someone listening into it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this is the beautiful one. We have a weird shot that zooms in on our power plug whilst we hear them groaning over each other. And then it follows the wire as we go down to the basement and find someone listening in on the tape deck. Which, again, is this weird thing where there's all this subtle surveillance, but also it has to be plugged in. Yeah. Um, has to be plugged into a giant machine with tapes yeah. and stuff, yeah. Pretty funny. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um... So, Duke and his girlfriend wake up the next morning and his girlfriend goes over to the phone and immediately dumps her current boyfriend uh, who we find out has paid for her flat and everything. And she says she likes Duke more, uh, so piss off. Yeah. Which I thought was a bit of a wanky fantasy, to be honest, uh, in terms of writing. Yeah, I don't know what... Yeah, it felt very... Obviously, it was supposed to be like very brutal and weird, but it felt inhuman yeah yeah uh, it feels weirdly cruel and just sort of like yeah I, I don't know not incel but like what's the, what, what's the like equivalent of a four, of an incel for a 40 year old man I think a 40 year old um, man could be an incel fair enough I don't know but yeah it's just like you know man a bit you know wouldn't a bit wouldn't good if there was like a woman and then like she she she, she liked me more than other men and I could just come back whenever I wanted good. yeah that, that, that's, that's how the world should work. So the, I feel there's a bit of that sort of wanky element to it. Yeah. But regardless, it happens. Uh, because Anderson is just so damn likeable. He is. Um, so so we get to the point where Anderson suggests, makes a slightly strange suggestion, to me at least, that he's going to, that they should rob uh, the entire apartment complex. Or his girlfriend doesn't want to know about it, but he muses that there's a lot of rich people living here. Surely they have nice stuff. Yeah. Wouldn't it be a jolly old heist to rob the apartment building? So and one of the... the I, when, I, yeah, I'm assuming the reason that you find that weird is the same as me, which is the fact that his girlfriend literally lives there, so him as... There's a lot of reasons I find it weird, but yes, Him as what. a well-known heist dude who has just got out of prison and moved back in with his girlfriend is planning to rob the apartment building that she lives in. Yeah. Uh, feels to me a little bit like not the smartest thing. It's kind of like don't shit where you eat, you know? Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't, well, don't well, rob where you fuck, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, A, that, but also it's just, it's quite low stakes for a heist film, I think. Like, people talk about him and he's like, you're not just going to rob one or two flats, you're going to rob all six? 
as the oh cool you know, well, like, I don't know I feel like if you, I mean that's, that's I mean you see later on in the film how much stuff is in those six flats I don't think that that's true it yeah. sort of justifies itself after the fact but there's a lot of people talking sort of wide eyed and in disbelief at the possibility of Duke committing six burglaries in a row I don't basically. know I think I mean basically uh, it's like ro- robbing six rich houses because I mean we're talking about central New yeah. York here giant fancy apartment building huge apartments I think it I no I think it's mm. I don't. I don't think that for me that's a, an issue because ah. I think they are. I mean, it is literally like robbing six houses in one. I think it's. I think it's actually quite a good premise for. I think. Well, it, I, I think it's quite a good premise for a film. I just think I don't understand why he's robbing that apartment building that he literally yeah. has a connection to someone that he lives there. Well, I suppose just usually in a heist film, you'd have like a very certain goal. Like you'd be going for the casino safe or the diamond or I don't know the deeds or whatever like you'd have True. a MacGuffin but then he gets uh, he gets this... Martin Balsam in to scout out all the apartments yeah but I feel it's it, 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 we're not really sold on how much money uh, Duke has to gain here and I suppose at least part of that's obviously due to because they do quote currencies and obviously that means nothing to me because there's been inflation um, so True. maybe it's, maybe it's just a knock on effect of that but I felt I felt that the film could have done could have done more to make it clear what they were after and how much they had to gain because it's just it doesn't seem like that complicated the job uh, to me yeah. and that is only increased when we see the actual plan which is extremely uncomplicated um, extremely what so, I don't know just I suppose because you want the heist to seem impossible right and then you're like impressed that they overcame the odds oh. whereas sorry I like you want the heist to seem impossible and like so you can be impressed that they overcame the odds and all that true whereas right. with this if someone's like how would you rob four apartments in a row then like I, I i'm not saying they'd work but i'd immediately think oh yeah that's definitely possible you know what i mean yeah true 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 get what you're saying uh-huh. anyway um anyway. so we get the the bulk of any heist film which is gathering the gang yep uh, so first we have the sort of the guy who's going to case the joint, who's going to look up the uh, antiques, who is a gay sort of antique dealer. Yeah, and we and... should we should just clarify he's he's a very seventies, over the top mm. gay, uh, as we've seen several times. Yes. in these, they don't use the word gay. They use a much worse word. Which one do they constantly. use? Obviously, don't say the word. But which one do they use? Uh, oh, the F begins one, with right. an F, yeah. ends with a G, yeah. has a vowel in the middle. Right. Um, yeah. I remember that name. But, um, I don't know, on the other hand, to be nice to the film, I do... He, is, he isn't made fun of... Not that he isn't made fun of it. He isn't treated as inhuman because of it. He's given the same amount of agency as the other characters. That's true, uh, although... He's, he's he one does, of the gang. He does come across a single gay person and immediately... Yes, Wants to have sex with him without any yes, uh, yes. Possessed. So it is not the best. Uh, it's not even good uh, homosexual representation. No, but, but I agree as a character as outside of that, he is pretty full. Is he's not just a comic yeah. relief or anything. He does actually. Uh, yes, exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes, he he yeah. is genuinely a member of the cast, yeah. and even if it's not treated uh, very well, yeah, it is at least just a yeah. Thing I about think that the yeah uh, the. So. He he's a he's a rounded character 
part of his character is that he's gay. That part of his character is very bad in its representation, but at least overall, he does have other traits yeah. rather than well, some I think other films a lot of other films would like go out of their way to humiliate him. Yeah, or, exactly. Like, yeah, because he. Yeah, I mean, he's very competent at what he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's, like I say, it's definitely far, 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 far from perfect. I'm pretty sure it's quite far, far from being good even. Yeah. But you know, it's not. It's not the worst we've ever seen. No, definitely. So, not. be thankful for small victories. Uh, regardless, uh, I I like him as a character. Just talking purely as you know, do, who's my favorite member of the gang? Um, and we talked to him for a bit. Yeah. And he, you know, seems nice. Uh, then we also recruit the kid, played by Christopher Walken, who was in uh, jail. Who's with? Uh, he was in jail with Sean. Yeah, he was in jail. Um, and he's uh, he's worried that Duke's gonna entice him into a life of crime. Yeah. Uh, he says jokingly, "Are you sort of the the hardened criminal who's gonna influence me?" Because he's a he's, um, he's, he's gone for drugs, I think. Yes, I was about to say you you said earlier that we weren't doing a drugs related film this week, but we are, uh, very, in a very minor way. Yeah. And uh, that sure. <laughs> Christopher Walken's character was in prison for dope and this yeah. is presented as being a much less bad crime than stealing or violence Yeah, uh, which I think most people would agree, in fact I'm not even sure if at the time that would be a particularly controversial statement no probably not, but maybe it would be it would certainly be about to become um, true, true but, surprised this film yeah. is at least at all after the uh, war on drugs declared yeah exactly, I mean if, if only there was a little message at the front that said winners don't do drugs yeah uh, then I think that would be better for everyone. Definitely. Or if um, during the heist the kid was about to get away with it, but it was like, no, I need to smoke a fat doob. <laughs> and then whilst he was lighting up, he got shot. That would, yeah. Uh, it just shows the dangers of it. Um, that would be a character arc there. He'd be undone by his main character flaw. Indeed. And then also anyway, in the gang, uh, we have a couple, uh, well, like this two, is this... two Black Panthers, is that right? I did not pick up on the fact that the Black Panthers. I feel bad, but we do. Yeah, because he goes into remember he goes into the Black Panthers HQ. Oh, that they yeah. live above, and that that's one of the people that are monitoring him is they're watching the Black Panthers yeah. and they're saying you know unidentified male Caucasian. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. Yeah. So oh yeah, in that speech they say that Sean Connery is six foot three. He's not. He's six foot two. Uh, and I picked up on this because I'm petty. How, how tall are you, Jamie? You you six two, right? I'm 6'2", oh, uh, so no one else is ever allowed to be taller than that. I'm also 6'2". So um, there's there's yeah. some more personal... But people could listen to all these episodes and slowly build up a profile of... Uh, oh, well, they don't know my hair and dye colour. They know mine, though, because I put a video in one of the earlier episodes. Oh, yeah. Oof. Uh, they don't know what race I am. I'm, I'm clear... I could be anything, really. Um... <laughs> Press X, <laughs> X to date. Um, yeah. What was I going to say? Yeah, uh, but during the speech with the kid, during right, his talk with yeah. the kid, that's when we get Anderson's speech about stealing being a victimless crime, uh, which I think is in one of the key thematic points of the film is Anderson's... Because we see Anderson justifies this stuff as being moral uh, a couple of occasions throughout the film. And I think this is sort of... An important point to note. So Anderson's argument is that most people who get st their stuff stolen have insurance. If they don't have insurance, then really that's that's their fault. Um, and the 
the kid uh, objects that maybe, that you know, isn't it wrong to steal from insurance companies? And Anson makes the more questionable leap that uh, insurance it's good for insurance companies to have people be scared of being burgled, because that's how they get their business, and that the cops need it to feel useful. So everyone wins, the victims get a fun story to tell. Yeah. Uh, but... But, I mean, here's the... Um, like, I, I just hate that, because, I mean, their premium would go yeah. up for... for oh. uh, for living in somewhere that's been robbed already. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. That's that's the main thing I'm thinking <laughs> about. In terms Fair. of victimless. It's not victimless. Uh, uh, this is this is the same I, man, by the way, who at the start of the film compares cracking open a safe to rape in terms of how much he enjoys it. So Yes. Yeah. Well I think I'm not, I think the film's stance is that later we're going to see the robbery and we're going to find that it's actually quite a bloody affair. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, it's not... There's no neatness to it. Um, partly due to act to the high screening wrong, but, like, even if it hadn't, there would be quite a lot of violence involved. So it's quite hard to say it's a victim's crime. Yeah. But I think it is important to note that, in many ways, the bulk of what Anderson is saying has some weight to it in that if the heist were to go ahead unabated nothing that bad would happen to anyone um, which I think is quite important because when we get to the end of this film uh, quite a lot of people will be dead um, yeah. and I think that's quite an interesting point uh, because ultimately the reason people die is because uh, the police were called in a way uh, this might sound like kind of twisted logic, but it's just something I thought about. Um, and that it would have been better for everyone, really, if Anderson had managed to pull off the crime successfully. Uh, mm. I don't know. Interesting. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Yeah. Uh, ACAP. Anyway. Right. Nope. Um, <laughs> good stuff. Right. Anyway, yes. Uh, we're talking to the driver now, and. Uh, he gets recruited um, so you know that's nice he asks for a percentage as these people do uh, and then they pull off uh, a mini job as it were the three of them where they distract the doorman so that uh, the kid is able to get into the basement of the house yeah. to cut the phone wires and the uh, antiques guy is able to case the joint and get into people's houses saying that he's redecorating yeah. so, and obviously you know, they trust him because uh, he's he's effeminate, yeah. Um, and also the he's so suspicious of the idea of a black man being in the building that he follows him the entire time. Yeah. Uh, so that gets the doorman away from the door, and then Anderson has sex with his girlfriend again. Yeah. Because he gets her a fur coat and then she gives him a blowjob. Because that's how yeah. that's how relationships work. Exactly, uh, and you know they they really make sure that we know exactly what sex acts, acts are being performed. Yeah, oh, that's nice. Obviously, they're not going to show anyway. any of the actors. Uh, yeah, want to do that, but they make it very clear. <laughs> She's on her knees mm-hmm. for about a minute, having a conversation, just so you know exactly what's going down. Yeah, very nice. Uh, Interesting stuff. Anyway, so, so we get. Um, a conversation with uh, the so Anderson used to be part of the mafia, uh, he and they're they're not really into heists anymore. They're more about you know subtle business stuff. Uh, they've got their own businesses that they run. They're not legitimate, but you know they're m- closer to that end of the scale now. Yeah. Uh, so Anderson's sort of been 
negotiating with them for the chance to do this heist, and they're they're really just doing it as a favor to him, yeah. as it were. Um, but we have the scene where he and the his name is Polly, I think. Um, they go and they talk to uh, the Don, uh, and he and um, Anderson waits in the car. Polly goes out to talk to the Don, and the Don is a little guy in some blankies. He's a little worm man. Um, looks very comfortable, but he's very old and senile. Yeah, and it's you know, it's very uh, very fragile. Uh, yeah, guy. Which you know, what 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 an ironic contrast, eh? Indeed. Um, but Paulie talks to him aloud and is eventually like, "Well, okay, I can probably let Anderson go ahead, but I have one condition, which is that we Anderson should during the course of this job he needs to take an opportunity to kill one of our guys who's been acting up lately. Uh, we need an excuse for him to be whacked. Whacked. Uh, so like, yeah, that's that's the that's. That's how you're getting funding for this job, Anderson, my boy. You're also doing this for us. Yeah. Uh, and Anderson's very reluctant to do this because he is a moral man, or at least a man who values being able to feel moral, uh, which is a perhaps different thing. So, But they have a conversation about it, and he's eventually convinced. Uh, the man who we meet is called Socks. He's a stocky man, uh, and he's very argumentative with the rest of the group. And he threatens to, you know, he's going to really raise a ruckus. Well, he's he's racist to the... the yes, that too. And then he's uh, also just really annoying on top of that. Yeah, nobody likes him. Yeah. Uh, and the group's about to break up until Anderson gets off to leave the room and then explains to the rest of the group that it's fine because he's going to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. And it... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the walking character expresses some doubts at this point because he wasn't really in for this sort of thing and the Black Panther character offers to kill him for Anderson if Anderson's uncomfortable with that sort of thing yeah so you know <laughs> all very nice anyway uh, we get to the day of the heist uh, so Anderson's plan and Duncan please uh, step in if I miss anything here is that they're going to drive a moving truck up to the house in the stairwell. Uh, they're going to go in. Yeah. They're going to kidnap the doorman. Uh, it's Labor Day weekend, so the houses are mostly empty, but not quite. Although they say that, actually, they're all full. Um, regardless, they take the doorman, they tie him up in the basement, Anson asks them to make sure that he has room to breathe and everything, because, you know, he's a nice guy. Yeah. Um, they're all masked up and in their mover's gear. It's looking very anonymous. And they get Pops from earlier to uh, man the doorway. He's the replacement doorman, as it were, for anyone who comes in, and he's going to be the lookout. Uh, Anderson gives Pops this job out really out of pity, because, uh, again, he's a nice man, uh, and Pops has nowhere to stay. He asks Anderson if he can live with him, and Anderson lies and says there's no room. But, you know, he, he does care about him, clearly. Yeah. Uh, regardless, they go up, and then... Their real plan, as it were, is to simply break into the flats uh, by knocking on the door and then threatening the people who come up to visit them and then robbing them, yeah. really. It's, it's not a very... Yeah, it's not a very elaborate plan, really. It's quite... Beyond just making sure that no one goes inside the building, which even then is only accomplished by having a, a replacement doorman, uh, there's not really any subtlety to it at all. No. Um, I suppose they cut the phone lines. That's the other big thing. 
And I mean, but yeah, they're not even stopping people coming in the building. They just have the doorman there so they know when someone comes in the building. Yeah. Um, but it's. I mean, the whole point is that it's supposed to be a robbery that is not going to raise any suspicion until after it's done. Well, yeah, I suppose, yeah. but I don't know. Um, I mean, is that the best way of doing this? It's just, it's like they say, it's weird because it's a heist plan, and we're told an awful lot about how carefully Duke Anderson plans his heists. Yeah, and then we really do just get the single most basic answer possible. Yeah, he knocks for how do you rob these breaks these in, flats? Puts all the people in one place, steals yeah. everything. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we get the answer to the question: What would happen if someone who was asked at gunpoint uh, to move to another flat says no? Something that Anderson has not really accounted for, which is that they get beaten the fuck up, and it's quite violent and nasty. Yeah. Uh, so this is you know. Anderson claims to be moral, but uh, logically he causes violence. So, uh, well, there you go. coincidence? Um, yeah, I would say very much that the film's stance on Anderson is that he's a liar, or at least uh, very convenient with the truth. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So we get uh, the robbery. It goes mostly well, though people are obviously very upset. Uh, something quite cool about the robbery is that it's presented in this format where we see stuff happening, but then we get. To the interview afterwards with the police, uh, which I quite liked. Yeah, yeah, it, I liked that a lot. I mean, right from the first, the first guy they punch, it immediately cuts to a police interview. Yeah, and it's it. Yeah, they punch it nice, and it cuts to the police interview. Yeah, it creates this nice like right. flow through the scene, breaks up the heist mm. a bit, and it it avoids the interviews all just being you know after the fact, and it kind of reveals it yeah, reveals yeah. what happens in the heist as it happens. Well, yeah, it's, it's sort, yeah, you get like it. a sense of cool, mystery. Yeah. yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was very well done. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so they, they they're stealing stuff. Um, they come across an old lady, and she's really happy that the cops are coming. Uh, she's elated. Yeah, uh, she's very excited about the whole thing. Uh, she doesn't care that her father's stuff is being stolen because he was, and I quote, a son of a bitch. Yeah. Um, but then we move to a different apartment, and in that room, there's a little paraplegic boy who has asthma, and so has to stay in an air-conditioned room all the time, being paraplegic. Yeah. Uh, and he's quite happy to see Anderson as well, even though Anderson's stealing his coin collection, because he likes watching Anderson crack the safe. Yeah. Uh, but when Anderson's about to leave the room, the boy says, I need to stay in this room to live, mister. And there's nothing I can do, for the phone lines have been cut. So please, may I stay? And Anderson, a man out of time, says, Yeah, sure, I don't know what you could do if the phone's being cut. Shrug. Probably nothing, to be honest, away. Jamie. Mm -hmm. I'm just sitting here thinking there's nothing you could do if the phone line's being cut. Exactly. Um, and, you know, it, that's how it worked in the 60s. Surely the 70s will be the same. Yep. Um... But we find out this boy... He's got an iPhone, fucking, so he can go this on... This fucking snitch, yeah. narc... Um, goes on WhatsApp, <laughs> sends out a message, puts the story up in a Snapchat, and suddenly... He, he films a TikTok to, yeah. to the, the song I Fought the Law by the Police, uh, where he does a little dance and then says, being robbed. Exactly. Disgraceful. Uh, uh, no, he doesn't, of course. And also... He's got a radio in his cupboard. Yes, he's got a ham radio. Yeah. Um, so, 
I don't know much about ham radios because they're always presented as being the hobby of weirdos. Um, but regardless, are you saying that a disabled child is a weirdo, Jamie? Uh, this one it's is a little bit problematic. But well, I'm, I'm just assigning him agency. I, I, he has his choices in life. He could be cool, uh, but he chose not to be. He chose to be a weirdo with a coin collection and a ham radio. <laughs> um, he, he chose to be a fucking nerd, Duncan. Jamie, don't, didn't have to don't you have a coin collection and a ham radio? No, funnily enough. Sure, I'm pretty sure I've seen it when I'm. I am, married. Duncan. I've never been more certain of anything in my life. I've got the coin collection. <laughs> I don't have a ham radio though. <laughs> you know what, Jamie? You're when barely getting past the when box. the world collapses and currency is no longer valid, I've got my coin collection yeah. to get me through. So you'll 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 look up a radar with a machine gun in your face, and you'll be like, "This 50p has a picture of R2D2 on it. Exactly. So it's actually worth a thousand pounds. Exactly. No Please case. don't shoot me and take it." Exactly, exactly, Jimmy. I've got, I've got like seventy percent of the London twenty twelve Olympic fifty p's. So uh, I'd like oh, to wow. see, I'd like to see what the Raiders are going to do to me in the apocalypse. <laughs> I'm sure they'll take basketball in exchange for my life. <laughs> regardless, regardless. Was that was uh, that an actual things. was that an actual pause or was that an internet connection? That was me laughing. Uh, it may not be picked oh, right. up. No, I didn't get it on Discord, but I'm sure it'll be on there. <laughs> good, good. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, eventually, the ham radio operators, after some classic bureaucracy where the police are refusing to accept plect calls, oh, yes. uh, they're able to get through to the police and say that the robbery is occurring here. Uh, and the police begin to gather a fair distance away, uh, but they send in uh, a squad composed of mostly black men uh, to sort of rappel from one ceiling of the adjacent building onto the uh, building that's being robbed and that way they can sort of, you know, pincer in one group coming from below, one group coming from the top. So that, that's an interesting sort of reverse on the whole surveillance uh -huh. thing in that the reason that they have to park around the corner is because the building has surveillance out onto the street and therefore the doorman mm. will be able to see if they parked, you know. Obviously they're not going to park right outside because then you'll be able to see in person, but even on the street, if they park there, they're going to be seen in the building. So it's kind of like a, uh. a reverse. You know, they've been using the surveillance to follow Anderson, or I guess the police hasn't really been using surveillance, but um, yeah. Yeah, and then that's true. Now they're squandered by the surveillance. But anyway, yeah, they send this roof in, this team up on the roof, and uh, that works fine. Yeah, I haven't considered that. Um, oh, there's okay, a cool bit where the, the like main police chief takes off his jacket and hat and just wanders past the building with a newspaper. As like the mm. acting as a civilian, and it's like their their surve initial surveillance thing. Yeah, which is quite cool. Um, yeah, that is cool. Yeah, uh, anyway, pretty cool. Uh, they whilst nearly falling off the building a couple of times, the police squad is able to get to the roof. Uh, during this time, Anderson is trying to rob from a guy who is absolutely determined not to let himself get robbed uh, for reasons that long surpass common sense. Um, so Anson starts smashing his museum pieces that he says are irreplaceable and he gets no reaction he's not going to tell them the combination to the safe uh, and then Anson threatens to shoot his girlfriend slash wife and he's like eh, it's fine Just I don't think you're going to shoot her so I'm cool with this uh, and then uh, when that gets interrupted his wife 
actively encourages Anderson to shoot him yeah. for being such a dick. That so I clearly what Anderson should have done here is explained to him how he'd have a cool story if he got robbed. Yeah. Well, clearly, well I mean, you, you laugh, but like, yeah, if he was insured, then like he is losing money if he has Anderson destroy these uh, fucking collector's items. Yeah, I guess so, it's the point not that the stuff in the safe is is irreplaceable. That's the whole point, right? Well, he says the the stuff that Anderson's smashing is irreplaceable. Maybe it's not. But, maybe it's um, maybe it's more replaceable than stuff in the more safe. irreplaceable. More irreplaceable. The stuff error. in the safe is more irreplaceable than the stuff out in the safe. Yeah. Anyway, uh, at this point, the police are in the building. They are, and um, they're coming up as well, and we get socks who is threatening to be very violent with some of the quote-unquote... Sorry, Socks um, suggests uh, that they take a hostage for protection and Anderson isn't cool with this as a moral guy. So he shoots Socks in the back of the head, thinks this is a good opportunity uh, to do that and this is when all hell breaks loose because the police start firing as well. Yeah, well they hear a gunshot um, and obviously think it's time to go in. Yeah. Sorry, so shortly before that uh, when they realise the police are coming the, the gay... Uh, Antiques guy says that he's not really comfortable with something involving violence. He doesn't want to do that. And Anderson very understandingly says, "Okay, well, you stay here. Put your hands up. You'll be safe." Yeah, which uh, is nice because I think normally so, in high school yeah. he would get shot. Yeah, something like that, or like you know, Anderson would go on like a tirade about how he's not seeing the job through or something like that. Yeah. But you know, credit to him, he respects his choice and you know tries to look after his safety. Um, and it's not linked, at least textually, to him being the gay one. So, yeah. even if that's maybe a subtext that some audience members might have taken. Yay. Yay. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, all hell breaks loose and the cops start firing. Uh, and Anderson is shot in the back. Uh, meanwhile, the kid uh, is able to get away uh, temporarily, as well as uh, the... I don't want to call him the black one. What, what's the black panther? That's more respectful. Uh, nice. Those two are able to get away. Yeah. Um, with at least some of the stolen booty in the van. Pops willingly gives himself up because he doesn't want to live on the outside anymore. Uh, he's he was happier in prison. That's all he knows. Uh, but they, uh, the van being driven by the black panther, uh, immediately crashes into the police motorcade because obviously there's tons of cops everywhere. And yeah. the police are able to stop it, uh, but in a slight twist, uh, Christopher Walken, in a smaller van that was in the back it's of in the, the moving truck, is able to yeah. blast out and go in the opposite direction. Ital- Ital- full, but then, full Italian job style. Uh, yes, yeah. it's that same thing. But then, and it can only be because he smoked so much of that damn ganja. Uh, he, he crashes over. the van immediately, yeah. and it rolls over three times, killing him. Yeah, I was really expecting like uh, some kind of chase at that point, uh, but he literally just drives yeah, around no, the corner and then rolls over. Oh, pretty much. Um, unpro- I don't think it's even like provoked or anything. It's just even if the road had been empty, he could ver- he would have made that same mistake. Yeah, it's quite funny. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, so the, the police are searching and they are satisfied that Anderson's dead and that everyone or must be dead uh, and that everyone involved has been captured and the hostages being rescued. But then we see that Anderson's body isn't here. And isn't that weird? Uh, And then they go looking through the apartments and they're like, wow, this one apartment hasn't been robbed. And then they shrug and go, huh, 
What? Well, that, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm sure it's not relevant. Doopity doo. And they move on. And then we find that Anderson has somehow managed to get into the chimney to hide, despite the fact he can barely walk. Yeah, and, he's uh, managed I to want... climb up the chimney and hold himself up there, even yeah. though, as you say, and, he uh, cannot walk yet. I, I, I wrote uh, something pretty pretty damn clever in my notes here, Duncan. Uh-huh. Do you all know what I wrote? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wrote, Shaunty Claws. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, right, thank you everyone for listening. Because his uh, name's Sean. You, hope you've enjoyed this week on the Golden Talkers podcast. Uh, right. Huh. Uh, we 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 have laughs here. Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, I didn't. I didn't end the recording. We're still. We're still here. <laughs> yes. I hope no one left. <laughs> uh, what am I trying to say? Yeah. Uh, but he's undone because, as we know, this room is being recorded. I've completely forgot to mention the sequence. Whatever. We'll go back to it later. Uh, the apartment is being recorded. Yeah. Uh, so they. They discover so they can hear Anderson grunting and groaning as he drags himself across the floor, and that's how they discover him and arrest him, and kill him more. Uh, and then, yeah, that's really the end of the film. Uh, the people who were recording Anderson panic because they were doing so illegally, and now if there's going to be an investigation into who Anderson was, then they're all going to get in trouble. So they erase the Anderson tapes. Indeed. Dun dun dun. Uh, and yeah, the sequence I forgot to mention is that uh, there's a point in the film where Anderson's girlfriend's ex uh, comes up and says, I've been recording you, Anderson. I know all about your heist. Uh, give me your girl. Uh, that's what, that's my price for silence. And Connery's like, no. And then that says, like, well, well, what does she think about it? Because I, I respect women. I'm Duke Anderson. Uh, and she says, actually, and she basically goes to the ex-boyfriend. And Anderson's like, oh, okay. And that's the scene. Yeah. Anyway, that was a film. That was a film. Um, <sighs> what do you think of the film, Jamie? I liked it. I liked it too. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was quite a fun heist film. Uh, I thought it asked some interesting questions. Um, yeah. So to get into what I was saying earlier, um, I thought that it was quite interesting that really. Um, I don't think Anderson's Anderson is shown to be somewhat incorrect in his uh, assessment of uh, the heist not being a morally neutral act, as it were. He's, he's shown to be wrong the, in that. Well, I think he's, the, the film definitely presents him as wrong, and it's shown as violent. But I think you know, it's I think... important to note that um, without the involvement of the police, then he would have been mostly correct, as it were. Well, maybe, uh, but I mean, Salks also beats at least two people up. I think he does. I think the point. Well, the whole minor. point is that, in theory, the heist. I mean, it's 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 a, a recurring theme throughout heist films and crime films, right? That this idea of like mm. the victimless crime, and if the crime goes perfectly to plan, then yes, it is relatively victimless. But it never does because it it's mm. illegal, and the you know there's always going to be issues with the plan. I think that's the message. Yeah, but you say, as you suggest within that argument itself, uh, is the very presence of law enforcement or the illegality, as you say, uh, that creates some of these dangers or many of these dangers. Well, I mean, Um, yeah, it creates some of them, but also 
the laws there for a reason. I mean, basically, I, also I think what I'm trying to say is that in the film, I don't think it's an intentional message, but within the film, it is the police who escalate the uh, heist from a violent to a non-violent crime. Sorry, that's from a not true because Sox, Sox literally yeah, beats people up, and that, the police, yeah, the police yeah. only enter when they hear a gunshot, which could very easily have been yeah, and then they gunshot. shoot all of them. Yeah, but it could have literally been. They don't know. I mean, they don't know what it is. They're they're trying to enter quietly, but. Then the gunshot I'm just saying, if, all I'm sa- trying to say is that if the heist, if the heist, even if if the heist had gone ahead, only one person would have died and everyone else would have been fine. Uh, it's like some bloody noses, but you know. Uh, but in what happened, uh, all of the robbers die, uh, with the exception of the antique dealer. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying there's an escalation. And Pops, yes, Pops is also fine. Um. Uh, well, sure. I do. I hmm. disagree, but okay. I think they were yeah. destined to die from the moment they decided they were gonna do it. Yeah. Um. What did you think of Pops anyway. as a character in terms of the being in prison so long that he can't leave? It's a bit like the Shawshank Redemption guy. Yeah, I, mean, I think Pops is more of a. What would I say? Pops is more like a comic character, but I liked him. I don't know if he's um, a comic character. I think he's. Got a message about a how character. people get institutionalized. Hmm. No, because yeah, I think that's fine. He, yeah, true. I don't, I don't really see him as a comic character. I guess I'm just saying. Well, no, because I don't, I'm not sure he's supposed to be laughing, you know, in the hysterics accent. But I think he's, he's, he's the funny one. I think when he asks to be taken into jail, then that's a joke, really, even if it does have some truth to it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Um, Let's see what. Beyond that, uh, I think the focus on surveillance is quite interesting, but it doesn't necessarily go anywhere, or at least it's not as central to the film as you'd maybe expect, given the amount of time based on it. Um, well, yeah, I guess it, to me it shows how. I think it it's not meant to. It's meant to show how surveillance could come into play in a heist without actually coming into play in this particular film, which I think well, is interesting yeah, in terms of you know obviously they all delete their stuff. Yeah, which I think is um, I think it's quite an interesting thing. Well, I suppose, and obviously yeah, I mean obviously obvi- about bureaucracy and yeah. agencies and well, stuff. I suppose for me, I thought like some of it was like you know Anderson is a man who is out of time as it were and he's undone by the fact that he doesn't understand how important technology is yeah uh, but obviously he's also undone by the inherent immorality of the crime itself so you know yeah I find it there's, really, there's I find it really interesting the, what seeing this film about surveillance so long mm. ago um, yeah because have you seen have you seen Red Road no it's a it's an Andre Arnold film uh, in St. Glasgow, which is like all about surveillance. Uh, oh. And I'm trying to remember exactly what the plot is, but basically, the main character is a CCTV operator, so, like, you know, she sees all this stuff going on and um, stuff. But yeah. Oh. Um, Interesting. That came out in 2006. So I'm just I'm thinking, you know, that's probably the main other film I could think of that's expressly about surveillance, and it's just interesting how. On the one hand, how different it is in the what thirty six years between them, but also how similar uh, a lot of the themes and stuff are. 
over yeah. time. And I also think it's interesting oh, that this film is set in America because, of course, it, the UK is the place that's famous for surveillance. I don't know. Do you know mm. if that was the case in the 70s, necessarily? I, I mean, well, I think CCTV came in... I'm going to... It's either under Blair or Thatcher, uh, which are, obviously... That's fine, because if I say that, I'm not going to piss anyone off. Um, hold up. Uh, UK CCTV... But uh, that's sort of the major thing, obviously. Uh, and that's obviously a much more modern invention, uh, regardless. So... Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if at this time the UK would have had any reputation for surveillance, particularly. Yeah. Um, particularly given that like the US's um, intelligence network was obviously much more... Yeah, I guess that's, I guess that's the difference, is that the US maybe doesn't have so much surveillance... In terms of just CCTV and the street and stuff, but yeah, the whole the whole idea of government agencies and intelligence services and stuff watching people is probably more prevalent even now, but especially at the time in the US. And that's yeah. that's more what the film's about, really, isn't it? Hmm. Rather than well, yeah, I think yeah, because like in, I suppose you could say in the US, like there's a general feeling that people are being surveyed, but that's done in secret. Yeah. Whereas in the UK, it's done very openly. Exactly. Yeah, uh, I think it is very different. Yeah. Turns out I was right about both things, because uh, uh, the uh, Regulation of Investigatory Powers Act was in 2000, and that was under Blair, but uh, the Telecommunications Act was in 1984, and that was under Thatcher. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Cool. Um, <sighs> good. Uh, let me see. Oh, I, I thought the film was shot very nicely. Um, yeah. Yeah, it looked, looked uh, I really like the high sequence, as I mentioned, but I think overall it was very well done. With the exception of one or two bits, uh, I think the sex scenes in particular, as I said, are quite awkward. Yeah, you would have liked to see um, more, wouldn't you? Y- yeah, yeah, obviously. I mean, full body or nothing. But, um, you want to see, that's, you that's see Sean Connery's dick, man. Clearly. Well, you know, that's stuff's a bit awkward. Uh, but yeah, I suppose it's yeah. some awkward close-ups. So that make you feel a bit better. Uh, rest in peace, Sean Connery, by the way. Of course, he died earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, I'm afraid. Was it last year you died? All oh, right, well. Yeah, 2020. Rest in peace. So I have I have got written down that Pops was been in prison since 1931. So I think you're just wrong saying 1920s. Well, they said he missed the depression. Well, when was the Great Depression? So, well, like I said, it was 1933. Wasn't All right, well then, so, yeah, 1931. Okay. Well, cool. there we go. Well, I think there we go. I think that's all my uh, notes gone through. Oh, oh um. There's a bit where they talk about the cops, and he says, Remember, Everson, your main job is to protect private property and citizens of that building. And, you know, uh, isn't that interesting mm-hmm. that they mentioned the private property first? That was the other, that's the only thing I got out of uh, my notes other than this. Oh, cool. I thought that was interesting. Um, um, so there you go, my anti-cop tirade uh, was partly my own beliefs, but also, I think, is textually in the film, at least to some extent. That's, sure. that's, that's why I thought it was justified. Okay, shall we rate the film? Yeah, sure. So, our rating system, Jamie, just to remind you, because I'm sure you don't remember. Um, see how I would really? say remind of you, but I don't want them to feel bad for uh, not knowing it. So I'm saying I'm going to remind you that we we rate films on a five point system, okay. going from the worst is don't watch it, just don't watch, never don't watch, don't watch this film. Uh, number two is watch if it's on. So if it's on telly and you don't have anything else to watch or someone asks you if you want to watch it, then 
you can give it a watch you know it's not bad it's, it's not good but it's not bad you can watch it then we have stream it which means if it's available for free on prime or netflix or any other number of streaming services then you should actively watch it but don't pay for it because number four is buy it which means pay for it either buy the dvd or pay for it to rent it on one of those things and finally we have the criterion collection which means you should spend as much money as you possibly can in this film because it's really good mm. there you go that sounds what did you think about accurate. that that was very i went through that very uh, quickly you just go through that very quickly but i understood it even though i clearly needed to be reminded right um why don't you go first for a change Duncan? it's usually me you want me to go I'm first. not going to let you rate one higher or lower than me this time. But then you're just going to rate one higher or lower than me. I'm going to say... I've got, it, I've got it in my mind. Okay, Ooh. I promise you I've got it in my mind. I'm going to say... I'm between two. I'm between... I'm between... I'm between stream it and buy it. I'm going to say buy it. I'm saying it, Jimmy. Alright. I'm telling the viewers to spend money on it. I was, and I promise to God, I was going to say stream it. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a good job I went one higher than you then. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Uh, so, we can never, ever agree on anything. That's so it sounds the golden like rule. viewers, listeners, you guys should watch this film because we're both saying that you should watch it. I'm just saying you should spend money on it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. As a, as a look at surveillance from the perspective of the 1970s, as, as new, like, as in look at all this new stuff, but it's 50 years old now, mm. uh, and it still has a lot of relevance, but also completely irrelevant because of yeah. the technology they're using. Pretty interesting well, really stuff. Interesting to sort of see a film talking about, I'm worried about the direction this thing is developing, and it's yeah. completely correct. Exactly, it? I think that's, yeah, because that's really what the film's about, it's not necessarily saying... Hmm. It's not necessarily about where the technology is at this point. It's about the fact that it's developing very quickly because the guy's been in jail ten years and already doesn't know anything. Hmm. Yes. Right. Cool. Um, Next week. Clapping emoji. Yes, I'm sure it'll sound great on the podcast. I've been clapping a lot this episode, and I hope the viewers appreciate it. Yeah. I've not uh, heard it. Yet. We are doing two films. Uh, we discussed this last week, but it's important to discuss this week as well. Um, Number one, historically significant film Shaft. Um, watch that. From 1971. Uh, we missed uh, Sweet uh, Skinner's Badass. No. Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. Because um, we were on hiatus at the time. So this is the first black exploitation film we'll be doing. Right. We'll try and do Sweet Sweetback at some other time. Um, but yeah, that's an important film. And then we're also doing. Uh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, which is supposedly one of the best films ever made. So I'm very interested in watching that. Good. Um, Good. So yeah, it's going to be a very high quality week next week. Uh, tune in. Indeed. Um, uh, so, very briefly, mm-hmm. because I got to pop off soon. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been watch. I've I've still been watching the Euros, Jamie. Yeah. I've watched almost every single game. Which is weird because I don't like football mm-hmm. very much, but you know what? Sometimes you have got nothing else to do. The it feels Scotland a lot better when it's like a when it's like a national thing. Sorry, the Scotland England game was insane, Jamie. I know Sorry, you didn't yeah. watch it, but it was insane. That's mm-hmm. that's my commentary in the week. It was it was a nil nil draw. It was the most tense nil nil draw I've ever seen, and also the most <laughs> celebrated thing I've ever seen after a nil nil draw. 
And yeah, that that seemed. I, I I was happy for the game, but that seemed a bit ridiculous. No, because you know, Jamie, yeah. it's good because now all we have to do is beat the uh, World Cup runner-up, Czech Republic, uh, not Czech Republic, Croatia, yeah. in the next game. So I'm sure that'll be uh, easy peasy. Easy peasy, lemony squeezy. Yeah, um, I mean, well, well, they came second in the World Cup a couple of years ago. Yeah, all right, okay, whatever. We're Scotland, wow. so we'll be fine. Um, yeah. Maybe they'll be. We'll we'll get another nil nil draw. Work that magic. Yeah, and then we'll have two points, and that'll definitely get us through <laughs> to the to the next stage. Definitely. Um, yeah. Winners at the Euros. It's going to happen. Exactly. I've got a fiver on us to win the Euros. So. Uh, well, you know, wouldn't it be great if you won that and had a lot of money? It would be, but I'm not going to win that, uh, <laughs> so I won't have a lot of money, and I'll plus five pounds. Don't bet, kids. Betting's bad. Um, Betting's good, kids. Do it some more. Right. Have you got anything, Jamie, that you want to talk about quickly? Um, I played Olegia this week, um, which was a sort of 2D exploratory platformer. Um, it was only a few hours long. It wasn't particularly interesting. Uh, it was it was very competent, but there was nothing that unique about it, so I don't really have much to say. Cool. Um, it was fine. It was pretty fun. Cool. Uh, they should release more short games, is, as ever, my cry. Uh, I like them. But, uh, yeah. Um, other than that, um, I watched the free 10 to, Yuka, to Yuma last night, the remake. Right. Uh, that was pretty good. Uh, pretty good remake of a western um, but yeah I don't think I've been doing anything else that interesting this week nice so. alright shall we oh wait wait oh. to use my platform there is a glitch on the Nintendo Switch right now where it won't download games after you buy them and I as a campaigner for justice will not let this stand um, Nintendo must condemn and let me download the things I buy uh Partly because I'm pretty sure this is opening up a class action lawsuit for them, but also because it's very inconvenient for me, personally. Yeah. Fair enough. Cool. Um, you don't understand how I'm suffering, Duncan. I spent, like, a good 50 quid on the sale, and I can't download any other things I bought. 50 quid on the sale? Wow, Jamie, that's crazy. I, I, I mean, that sounds sarcastic, but I don't know in what direction. <laughs> that's crazy, Jamie. I don't know which way I'm going either. <laughs> Um, I f I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. Hopefully they fix it. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Cool. Yeah. Right. A lot of people are experiencing it. Yeah. Anyway. Right. right. Now that we've talked about social justice, um, I think we should leave on the somber note. I think we should. Uh, uh, see you next week for everyone. films that are good. Yep. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye.